healthcare goes high-tech. This is Industry Focus. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus Healthcare Edition. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I'm joined today by Motley Fool healthcare contributor Todd Campbell. And today, we're going to talk about healthcare IT, information technology in the healthcare sector. And you know, when I think about big trends going on in healthcare right now, there are plenty that come to mind. But one of the really, really huge ones that I think about is IT. And this is just an absolutely ginormous thing to watch going on right now because you've got the government pushing for it. I mean, back in 2009, as a part of the stimulus bill, we had this high tech act that was passed. And it basically said, here's $25 billion. With this, we want to promote the expansion and the adoption of health information technology. And of course, that's a pretty vague term right there. But one of the really big efforts within health IT is the establishment of EHRs. Now, EHRs, these are your electronic health record systems where essentially you've got everything that you need to know about a patient stored electronically. You've got their patient demographics, their progress notes, drugs they're taking, problems they're having, vital signs. I could go on on allergies, immunization dates, any sort of medical history or something that a doctor might want to know in a clinical setting. The EHRs automate and streamline provider workflow to get all this information together, have it in one place, have it digital, and be able to work with it that way. So to me, this seems like an absolutely huge initiative. Todd, where do we stand on it? It's a mammoth initiative. If you think about this, healthcare is being dragged, kicking and screaming, if you will, uh, into the world of information technology. You know, it's one of the last major sectors that are a holdout on embracing you know, these computerized systems. I mean, not that long ago, we would go into our doctor or dentist's office, there'd still be rows and rows and rows of file cabinets behind um, the desk. And, you know, you kind of look at that and say, well, isn't that so, that's so 1970s. Um, But there were a lot of reasons for it. You know, there weren't any incentives financially for, you know, doctors and hospitals to embrace technology because, hey, you know, if we have the paper record, we're going to invoice you know, Medicare, Medicaid, or a private payer like an insurance company, we don't really need. We don't really need to have have a lot of bells and whistles. Why spend the money? Because it would be a huge effort for any any single uh, provider to just totally reform and not be incentivized to do so. Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically taking a car that maybe is not it's not a fast car, but maybe it's going sixty miles an hour. And you're pulling up the emergency brake and telling the car to, to go in another direction. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons the High Tech Act, it was so important to create both a carrot and a stick approach to getting uh, providers to embrace these health IT systems. You know, you've got the carrot side of things in which, you know, doctors and providers can re- receive tens of thousands of dollars over multiple years for, you know, bringing in these health IT systems. Um, and then you've got the stick approach, which, you know, kicks off very soon. Um, and that's going to start dinging uh, providers on the amount of money they receive back in reimbursement for Medicare if they haven't 
adopted these systems. Yeah, so basically you've got these players that, as a practice, if you decide you don't want to implement EHRs, your option is either to face these penalties, which are going to get bigger and bigger every single year, or stop accepting Medicare. And then both of these are just going to absolutely kill your business. You, you, they, you, right, you can't. I mean, you can make you could make a decision and say, well, I know that I get X amount of money from Medicare every year in my practice. And if they're going to ding me 1%, that's maybe not a lot, or maybe it's a lot uh, relative to how much it would cost me to institute a health IT system from, you know, one of the many providers that have popped up and are embracing, you know, <laughs> racing to capture a part of this money that's being given out or has been uh, given out uh, by the government as, as part of the incentives. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you're just delaying the inevitable there. I mean, this is a reform that is going to end up being ubiquitous. Everybody is going to have, you know, technology is going to happen. <laughs> Evolution <laughs> happens. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of argument, you know, studies have been done and released this year saying that, you know, the High Tech Act was great, but, you know, what it really was. It was just all it was was pulling things forward. If, if that never existed, um, doctors and, and hospitals would have still embraced these systems. It just would have happened two to three years later. Um, now, two to three years, I mean, that's still substantial. I mean, when it comes to technology, if you can shorten the curve, you know, it's almost exponential. So, you know, the next the next advance will come quicker and the advance beyond that will come quicker. Um, there's also a lot of debate right now with EHR in, you know, are these systems really doing what, you know, they were supposed to do when they were first conceived? I mean, are they really communicating across different doctors and providers. I mean, can a specialist really pull up my record? Can a hospital then pull up my record, make changes and have it go back and notify, you know, the, the, the primary care? Yeah. There, are, there that, are a lot of challenges here. Yeah, that raises the issue of interoperability, which is healthcare speak for just saying that these systems don't speak the same language right now. I mean, one of your your biggest provider, they're called Epic Systems, privately held company. They have this closed box kind of system that won't play well with others, and they have no incentive to play well with others. They've got half of the market share in hospitals, and there's no reason why they would make a system that can nicely communicate with all the other systems, because they're trying to leverage their size and drive everyone else out of this market. Right. It's a race to the top. You want to squeeze out all of these small players who, who came in in 2009, 2010. There's a high level of dissatisfaction because of this interoperability issue. Um, you know, most of the major hospitals have systems in place, either from Epic or from Cerner. Um, and those are not going to communicate with these other smaller, you know, um, systems that have been put in place. A lot of people are now saying, well, I'm going to have to toss out the one that I just spent all this money on and replace it with this other system. And who's to say I even like this system? And who's to say that if I go out and I get one of these other systems, that it's still going to be able to communicate with Epic, which is, like you said, has no interest and no incentive. So a lot of people will, will then say, well, the High Tech Act is flawed because it didn't mandate um, that it should be built around a, a common code, if you will. Um, but then you're getting kind of in a muddly area. I mean, how much... How much do you want to stifle um, market ingenuity and innovation uh, by mandating a certain approach? 
Yeah. And the other side of that coin is that one of the reasons that these systems don't talk to each other is security. I mean, you're talking people's health records that needs to be on lockdown. And so a lot of these companies, if you're Epic, you don't want to open up your system where anybody can talk to it because all of a sudden you could be compromised that much more easily. Right. Somebody uses a back door to, from through another company to get into your system. And then guess what? The, the press release is Epic system has been hacked. Exactly. Uh, and there are these really high profile acts that have happened. I mean, there was one in August 2014 that I remember community health systems had this hugely public breach uh, that involved four and a half million patients. I mean, that, that just looks bad. I mean, even if you don't end up getting penalized by HIPAA, you still are getting all that bad publicity. Absolutely. And this is very different than, say, putting a system in place at any one corporation. You know, you know, it's all about silos versus non-silos. And, you know, if you've got a grocer, he even if its system is opened up to all of the different grocery stores, and all the different distributors, it's still a closed system to that grocer. You know, you don't have competing competing grocers having access to your system. So you know, this is a, a new animal because you're really trying to create something that is open to all that, that should get it, but closed to all that shouldn't. And, you know, trying to figure that out is, you know, that's that's a magic bullet. Yeah. And I, I think one of the questions that we've kind of danced around, is this a winner takes all kind of game or is there room for some of these smaller players like your Athena Health to come in and develop a really niche kind of business and survive in the face of Epic? I think one of the things that's interesting about all of these different companies, you know, Cerner obviously is a huge player in acute hospitals, right? Uh, Athena is a big player and growing player in primary care practices that wants to get into that hospital market. So there, there are different ways that you can kind of attack this market. And for that reason, I think you can have huge players like Epic and Cerner and small players like Athena survive and, and maybe even thrive. However, beyond those leaders in those respective niches, it's very hard to argue that, you know, a, an upstart is going to jump in or that, you know, some of these other players like, you know, I mean, Allscripts is big. That's another big player. But it's hard to imagine that they're not going to over time continually lose ground because the reality is, you know, you've got to go with whatever the system is installed by the most people if you truly want interoperability. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I mean, the, there are only 10 EHR vendors that account for 90% of the hospital EHR market. And meanwhile, in 2014, there were only three of these vendors that actually posted a gain in market share, and those were Epic, Cerner, and Athena Health. And Athena Health actually doubled its market share in 2014, so they're kind of a, a smaller player, but I'm personally rooting for them. Yeah, they're, they're a smaller player. You've got to take um, that information with a little bit of grain. So, I mean, they made a big acquisition this uh, past year called, of a company called Razor Insights that really launched them into the hospital acute care market. Um, they're definitely one to watch. Um, Cerner is, I, I think, is probably the most compelling from an investing standpoint because they're big, they're growing, they're profitable, um, and their valuation is far more reasonable than within Athena Health. But still which, high. Yeah, it's still high, but it's for the space. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at this as a as a technology company, uh, not like a, an insurer or a um, 
a drug maker, which is going to have relatively low valuation. So other parts of healthcare, typically UCP ratios in the 10 to 20 range fairly commonly, but you almost have to look at this as being more like a software company where you can really get valuations that go four P's, 30 to you know, stratosphere. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, I, you can't talk about Cerner without talking about this Department of Defense contract. Wow. I mean, this was, I, I remember, you know, having discussions with this, uh, about this contract in 2014 here on Industry Focus and, and chatting a lot about who will be the big winner. I mean, essentially, what you've got here is the Department of Defense is has a massive job in caring for all of the people um, that receive health care because of their service. Okay. You've got 55 hospitals, uh, hundreds of, of clinics. Plus, you have all of these um, former servicemen and women who are going to civilian, <laughs> you know, getting civilian care. Uh, so, and, and trying to get all of those records together to communicate um, has been just a nightmare. You, you know, you've got legacy old systems that have been patched here, patched there, tried to be connected. Nothing's talking together. Um, so, you know, the DOD finally said, well, let's let's scrap this. Let's start over. Let's do a major modernization effort and get it the way it should be. And, you know, initially when this was first, you know, talked about, you know, this, this just to put this into perspective, you're talking about a 10 year contract that could be worth as much as 10 billion dollars you know that's massive and it actually is larger than the amount of spending would be spent on healthcare it without it in any one given year so this is a big deal and a lot of people wanted this contract but on top came out cerner uh and then a partnership that had orchestrated with accenture which is another name that the fool uh happens to talk about and like uh and, and another prime contractor Lidos, that um is a recent spin-off but a big play in government um contracts so they won this contract for the first two years it's a four billion dollar um contract initially but like i said if they continue to do a good job if they do a good job and they win the contract extensions this could be worth you know nine, 10, 11 billion, who knows with government contracts, right? This, they, they tend to, to grow, not shrink over time. Yeah, one of the interesting parts of this story, at least I think, is how fierce this competition was and what it did to that estimation. Because originally this was an $11 billion contract, and I'm seeing estimates now that have dropped all the way down to $9 billion, and that is the effect of competition there. I mean, you had Epic teaming up with IBM. Like, talk about a powerhouse. Um, you had an, another power team of Allscripts with uh, Computer Sciences Corporation and HP. You had a lot of people, big guys, fighting for this contract. And so the fact that Cerner was able to, to pick it up is a huge deal and certainly part of the investing thesis for the company. Yeah, this is you know, it, it, everybody wanted a piece of it. And we have to remember as investors, now this contract is big. It could be nine billion. It could grow. Like, I mean, they're, they're saying nine billion now, but they said 11 billion last year. Who knows? Let's call it 10 billion. We'll cut it in the middle. But um, so you have to remember, though, as an investor, that not all that money is going to go to Cerner. You know, it's split among the three companies that bid on it. Uh, regardless, this is a needle-moving deal, and it certainly should help um, earnings in over the course of the next, you know, at least the next two years, and conceivably much further beyond that. Exactly. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you, Todd, between the two companies that we've talked about today the most, Athena Health and Cerner, which one would you want to add to your portfolio today? 
If I'm a, you know what, personally, if you only pick uh, one, it's, it's Cerner. If I have to pick one, it's Cerner, it, it, because I, you know you've got a company that's growing as quickly or quicker than Athena, that's profitable and it has a, a, a lower valuation. Um, Athena has a monstrous short position. Uh, it's probably best suited only for the most aggressive investors. Um, it's, I like it, but of the two, I like Cerner more. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that different companies are better suited for different people. And so, as always, you want to do your own research. Todd and I could have interest in the stocks that we talk about. The Molly Fool has a disclosure policy. Molly Fool also could have formal recommendations for or against these companies. So, long story short, don't buy or sell just based solely on what you've heard today. But hopefully, this provides some good information about a really exciting space within healthcare. And go forward with that. Do some research. Dig in. Definitely keep your eyes on these stories that are developing, because this is the future of healthcare. Thanks for listening, everyone. 